Imagine having really candid conversations about work with fellow professionals. And that's exactly what we're going to do here in this podcast called Professionals Unplugged. So welcome, I'm thrilled to have you. My name is Inga Hepton. I'm an executive coach and I usually help senior leaders get C3 ready, but I thought it's high time to create an environment where we can talk about issues such as leadership, communication, and navigating the potential minefield of the corporate world. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Professionals Unplugged. Thank you for joining me for another candid conversation about work. I'm Inga Hepton, owner of Medea International. Through coaching, I provide senior leaders with better ways to increase their executive presence so they can make their mark. With me today, I have Andrew Lamb, Andrew believes that there is a better way to scale individuals, teams, and organizations to their potential. He's the founder and owner of Four Leaf Performance, a business coaching organization that crafts tailored solutions and strategies to help small and medium-sized businesses surpassing their goals in their team dynamism, revenue, and profitability. And I also have Clay Hicks. He's the CEO and founder of H7 Network is a word-of-mouth marketing specialist with a focus of revolutionizing the way business professionals connect first, serve with purpose, and ask of their peers. H7 Network is a vehicle for his purpose in life, which is to value others while lifting them up, uniting them, and taking no credit. And finally, I've got Simon Hepton. Simon is Head of Sales Performance Americas, for global oil and gas data and analytics firm called ICIS, a Brit now living in the US. After 20 years in sales and sales management, Simon is able to look back at what worked and what didn't. Now he loves sharing what he learned and helping sales teams and leaders around the globe to refine their sales skills and become more focused on value selling. So today's topic is the power of why. Operate and communicate from your why. Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Inga, thank you for having us all on today. I really, really appreciate it. So why do you do what you do? Simon Sinek's Why, the famous podcast that he did, I think it's over 12, 13 years ago now. I got inspired by Simon about why do you do what you do because it really talked to me about it. So for those that haven't, 30-second overview. Most people talk about what and how they do things. So what do they do and how do they do it? But inspirational leaders and inspirational companies talk about why do they do it? And that's really important because that inspires others. It allows companies and individuals to build their tribes because sales is 80% emotion. And when you talk about your why, you talk about inspirational things. You inspire others. So as you said, mine's a better way. I believe in doing things a better way. If people believe in that, they will want to gravitate towards people like that. So famous companies that leverage this today, Apple, Nike, Wilbur Parker, Tesla, they're all building tribes because they're built upon their why. Why do they do what they do? So it's a very, very powerful message, I believe, critical to anybody, a discovery of who you are, why do you do what you do, and then how do you do it, and what do you deliver? And I've used this now for a number of years and just find it an amazing, amazing tool to truly understand 
why you do it? Why are you emotionally and physically motivated? And to the opposite, why are you physically and emotionally deflated? Right? So there's the positive and there's negative. And understanding why do you do what you do can literally answer a lot of questions. Simon, I see you nodding. What are your thoughts? I'm genuinely interested by the why of people. As a sales leader in the business who often gets asked to talk to aspiring salespeople and sometimes more tenured salespeople, it's one of the first questions I ask in an interview. So I think last year I did about 100 interviews for salespeople, all sorts of levels from you know the most junior to the most senior. And so one of my early questions is, why do you do this? What motivates you? It's really interesting to hear the answers. And interestingly, the difference between people in EMEA and America and APAC, mm-hmm. for example, the purpose is very, very different. When I ask people here in the United States about their why, it's usually that they want to make money to save money. But when I ask the same question in EMEA, why do you do what you do? They want to make money because they want to do things. And so they'll talk about travel or they'll talk about putting their kids through school or all of those sorts of things. So it's really interesting to see the different dynamic in the different regions. And I'm slightly intrigued about whether the why changes over time. And I think life circumstances often drive what your why is dependent upon where you are in your life. And so I'm a firm believer in that just because somebody says that's what it is today, it's not necessarily what it's going to be tomorrow or next month or next year. I think, Simon, on that, great, great comment, right? So I've worked all over the world as well, and you get those variations, right? I mean, America is very much on the money side. Europe is definitely on the experience side. Asia is definitely up on the people side, the family, right? It's all around that community. But what I usually find is a lot of people, when they're talking about their why, they're talking not about their why, they're talking about the result. So money is a result. It's not a why. Right. So when they're talking about money or they're talking about family, that's a result of your why, not truly what your why is. So I think people get confused a little bit with regards to what why is from a fundamental purpose driven rather than the output, which is the money, the experiences Um, and things like that. But it's a great point. So I'd like to add, I've been on this journey meeting with thousands of people over the last nine years. And I have found that I discovered my why while doing it. So mm-hmm. Simon brought up about the why changing or whatever, and it did for me. So what I believe happens when it has to do with your why, I believe it evolves as mm-hmm. you learn more and understand more about what is going on around you, being aware of what's going on around you. So the two greatest days of your life, are the day you were born and the day you find out why, right? (laughs) And so when you find out why, it changes your entire life. For example, when I first started my company 15 years ago, why I did it was simply I wanted to help other people. I hear that all the time. Throughout all this journey of meeting with thousands of people, I discovered my own why and it evolved. So first it was lift others up well then a few more thousand one-to-ones go by and then it's oh unite them lift others up and unite them and then i discovered that my full why is to value others while lifting them up uniting them and taking no credit so it is an evolution i believe for all of us of self-discovery understanding where we come from where we are now appreciating where we might be at now but when somebody says why i do something that has something to do with money that's probably not their real why you're probably spot on 
What I find interesting is often enough, we're not really aware of our own why. It just Mm -hmm. kind of bubbles under the Mm -hmm. surface. And sometimes we even end up in jobs which don't really serve our why. And then we wonder, why are we so frustrated? Why do we come home and are completely Mm -hmm. drained? I remember I had a job in a law firm and so many different tasks in what the job really entailed were not serving my why. Mm -hmm. And Andrea and I had a great conversation about it yesterday to find the right wording for my why. And just some light bulbs went on where I thought, yeah, no wonder about it. Because it was so many administrative tasks where I basically had to follow the rules by the letter. (laughs) And I actually like to challenge the norm. I like to find out better ways to do things. Just because we've always done it in a certain way doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. And there isn't a better and more efficient and effective way. Mm -hmm. And if I can't do that, it just drives me insane. Mm. And then I get frustrated. And obviously, that's a completely downward spiral. Has any of you experienced anything like this? Yeah, I'll just come back to to Andrew's point about money and why. And I think the way that I would describe that, money is often the fuel for your why. And so that's the way that we like to talk about it is how much money you need to help you deliver on your why sometimes. And the why might be putting the kids through school. I remember a good friend of mine, an ex-colleague, and his purpose was to fund his daughter's education. And so he had set the bar here in terms of earnings. And the purpose behind that was because he wanted the best possible education for his daughters. It was quite expensive, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Right? And he had two of them. So that was that was racking up there. So anybody with kids out there is probably going, yeah, I get that one. But that was his sole purpose, was to put the kids through a really good school. And you could see that driving the, the day-to-day and, and the passion in, in the work that he did. So I'd like to add about what you were talking about. When I was 22, I worked in a steel mill. So I didn't finish college. I worked at a steel mill from 20 to 25. And so when I was in that steel mill, I tried to make improvements as well. And it got me in trouble and all kinds of stuff. And it made me like, it was a really bad experience that I was bucking the trend. And so I wanted to get out of there because why? Because I felt like I was destined to do more with my life. Being an entrepreneur was always that vehicle that was going to take me there. I left the corporate world because I was not being fulfilled. I mean, I was lost. I was very successful at what I was doing. I was hitting all the things that I needed to do at a corporate level, but I was completely lost and unfulfilled, completely. I've gone through all the training, right? I was operating at the most senior levels, but I was just lost. I was in the wrong job. And one of the problems that I had was I couldn't articulate what it was and they couldn't articulate what they wanted. And that was the challenge, right? So I'm a better way, right way contribute. So I do things a better way. How I do it is the right way and add value and results. And what I want to deliver is contribution value to others. And what I was working on was literally firing. We were going through huge transformational changes. And it completely drained me from where I was, where I wanted to be. The previous role that I did was probably one of the best roles that I ever did. And I was adding everything in that space. But when I got to this role, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. And the problem was that nobody could articulate on both sides what the next step was or where we needed to go. And the result was a lose-lose. I left. I retired. And they lost out because they never hit their targets. They never hit their goals that they set for the three-year plan. 
It took them forever to replace me. And I lost 25 years of working with people and being around people and the stable income because I went into the entrepreneur world, right? So it was kind of a lose-lose because we couldn't communicate. And if I'd sat down with what I know now and said, this is who I am, and this is the role that I need to be in to be successful, to be motivated, to be energetic, to be fulfilled. And by the way, and when you're in that space, you're delivering way and above norms, then they could have won. And that was the challenge that we find. And I find that every day, let's look at what's going on today in the world, right? A lot of companies are downsizing. How are they downsizing? They're downsizing on the cost. They're downsizing based upon, we've got to X to a certain number. My question to them is, are you firing on numbers or you're firing on capabilities, on the purpose? Because I might condense, and I've done this, right? Condense 50 people down to 20. (laughs) But what is the purpose? What is the purpose of that organization? And are the people that are going to remain, the people that are going to achieve that based upon their why, their how, and their what? And if you find those and you put the right people in the right seats on the right bus, you've got to get them aligned properly. Let's look what happened in Twitter. He's operating at 20% and literally took 80% of the people out and 20% yeah. of the people left. Is it a good example? No, but the operation still runs. It's still functioning, mm-hmm. right? People would argue in different ways about it, but it's still operating. Did he figure out the people's why? I don't know. But that's the way I look at it now when we're sitting down with organizations and doing organizational design is, What is the purpose of the organization? And then what are the seats on the bus that you need? And who is the right person, the why, the how, and the what to fit in that seat? And that changes from time to time. If I was to do all the things that I did before, that's how I would actually look at putting the right people in the right seats based upon people's why, because that's what drives them. That's what motivates them. If you're motivated, you'll deliver. So the question I have is how do you support people in finding their why? With H7 Network, you talk to hundreds of people, and I know that you really like to be of value and like to support people. When you have conversations with peers or people in your network and you find out that they're a little bit maybe lost, how do you help them? Well, I will definitely consult with them, seek to understand, active listening enables me to be supportive. So uncut via communication and active listening, I can definitely figure out what's going on. And then hopefully they'll tell me and be vulnerable about it, but not everybody does. So, but those who do and those who are pretty open to being vulnerable about it, they were off to the races. Now I can be supportive of them. It's usually not in the first call though. First time I ever meet them. Usually it's after they learn to trust me a little bit more and they'll get vulnerable about it. So that's what I've experienced. But it does happen a lot. Most of my network and most of my relationships, they're entrepreneurs. So 95% of my community own their own business. We're not on an island. You don't have to like open up a little bit. Hopefully those entrepreneurs, they all work from their wise because otherwise they probably, that's my assumption, wouldn't have stepped out on their own and do what they do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's probably less likely that they are frustrated in what they're doing, maybe from the outside world in terms of the business not going well, but that's an entire different story. So what can we do as individuals or as leaders in order to support the people around us when it comes to operating and optimizing their performance and operating out of their why? Simon, you work in a bigger organization. How do you do it? 
I think Clay touched on it a bit there in terms of you have to ask questions and you have to listen. And I think sometimes you have to let people explore things and work out where it comes from. And so I'm a big advocate of try a bunch of things, especially when people are earlier in their career. Try a bunch of things. See what you like doing and appeals to you and you enjoy. I work in a sales organization and sales is definitely not for everybody. I'm pretty sure anybody can sell. You can teach anybody to sell if they want to learn how to do it. But the motivation is so important in sales because the motivation to keep doing either repetitive things or things you don't particularly enjoy doing can become quite overwhelming. So people kind of go through that journey. And, and I know a bunch of people that have been in sales for two, three, four, five years, worked out they didn't like it and then kind of moved on to something else because they didn't like it. They didn't enjoy the work and it didn't appeal to them. And so their why wasn't powerful enough for them to overcome doing the things that they didn't really like doing. And so we have to listen. We have to get people to try things. In our organization, we try and get people to visit other places as well, move to a different country and try out the lifestyle there. And so we advocate that quite heavily as well. Go try some different cultures as well and see if that helps you to connect with your why and define your purpose in some cases. It sounds like knowing your why can be a very crucial bit of information because it really helps you to find out your drivers, what do you enjoy, what gives you energy rather than drains yeah. the energy. And obviously in a work environment, when we enjoy what we do, we usually excel. We provide better results, which overall for an organization is obviously <laughs> beneficial because the performance uh, gets up and the entire culture increases. Mm -hmm. With that, we had a good conversation about our whys and the impact of knowing and operating from your why. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and I look forward to chatting to you too. Again, thank you for listening to Professionals Unplugged. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to hear even more, check out my website www.medeaintl.com for insights, connecting and coaching. Until then, unplug and look after yourself.